Well, hi again, everybody, and welcome back to Radio Free Acton. My name is Mark Vandermoss. It is my pleasure to welcome you to the podcast of the Acton Institute for the Study of Religion and Liberty. Always good to have you along here as we take a look at the ideas that animate Acton and uh, also compare and contrast them from time to time with ideas that uh, do not animate us. You can find all of our podcast archives at radio.acton.org. And do check out the Acton Institute Power Blog at blog.acton.org. Well, as I was saying uh, about ideas that do not animate the Acton Institute, uh, today we're going to be talking about the religious left. Um, And if you've followed Acton for any time and uh, both uh, the Acton Institute in general and on the Acton Power Blog, which dates back to maybe 2004, you will know that uh, we have regularly engaged with the ideas of the religious left, be it uh, directly in person with the leaders, uh, some of the leaders of the religious left. Uh, Father Robert Sirico, our president and co-founder, is engaged in debates with folks like Tony Campalo and um, Jim, uh, not Jim Wallace, uh, Ron Sider is the name I'm looking for. Uh, he's engaged in direct face-to-face debates with them, respectful, of course, but but good sound uh, uh, debates where the pros and cons of the religious left and a more conservative approach are are compared and contrasted. That's a, a good thing to do. Uh, and, and of course, the Power Blog, there's regular... Um, commentary and critique of ideas that come from places like uh, Jim Wallace and his Sojourners magazine and various other outlets for the religious left. And so it's not unusual for us to engage with the ideas of the religious left. And of course, there are many other people beyond Acton who are doing that as well. And we're going to talk with one of them today. Her name is Chelsea Vicari. She is the Evangelical Program Director at the Institute on Religion and Democracy in Washington, D.C. And most recently, she's the author of a book with quite a provocative title. It's called Distortion, How the New Christian Left is Twisting the Gospel and Damaging the Faith. Sarah Stanley, our own communications associate here at Acton and a very regular contributor to the Acton Institute Power Blog, sat down and spoke on the phone with Chelson from Washington, D.C., talking about some of the dangers that Chelson sees in the emergent church movement and in liberal evangelicalism, and just exactly what is the real danger posed to the Christian faith by the religious left. Here is Sarah Stanley. The first question is just, why did you write this book? Um, What was so urgent in your mind about this tilt to the left among younger evangelicals? Well, first off, I had been duped for a time by the evangelical left on a, a Christian campus ministry And so I knew that this was going on long before I even came to work for the Institute on Religion and Democracy, which is uh, a group of church renewalists who want to make sure that we uh, are adhering to God's truths and biblical principles uh, from an orthodox standpoint. So I knew this was going on, so I really wanted to give what I call the grown-ups in the room a peek behind uh, the curtain into the lives of a, a Christian millennial, whether they're at a college campus, a Christian ministry, a Sunday school or a youth group. I wanted parents, grandparents, uh, Sunday school teachers to know this is what's going on because so many are questioning, you know, why are evangelical millennials either abandoning the faith or compromising on Christian teaching? 
well, I, I really believe this is one way, that's uh, one reason why. Okay, um, and you talk about your, your growing dissatisfaction with the left on campus. What was it that first led you to see things in a new light? Yeah, so I, as I, and, and don't get me wrong, it wasn't uh, the entire campus Christian ministry that was responsible, but there were evangelical leftists who had kind of infiltrated, for lack of a better term, and were in leadership, and, and they were greatly influencing me. I oh, I had this bad feeling from the get-go. I wish I had listened to my intuition, namely the Holy Spirit kind of tugging at me. I knew something was off. But specifically, the, the same-sex issue became the at a focus at the forefront, and I would come home and, and complain or fight with my parents because uh, I knew that they were not compromising on what marriage was, and I wanted them to affirm same-sex marriage and relationships and Christianity, and they just absolutely wouldn't do it. So thankfully, my parents had the... Uh, the God-given wisdom to not fight back with me, but with a very loving tone to just constantly reiterate what Scripture said. But not only that, because sometimes as a millennial, it's just not enough to hear uh, the Bible says so. I mean, it just isn't because we we go back to these colleges where we're dealing with leftist professors or we go back to these campus ministries where nobody... uh, is unfortunately looking to scripture to see what moral absolutes are in play. So it's just not enough. But my parents had the wisdom to say, you know, Chelsea, let's look at science. Let's look at social science. Let's look at the data that shows that, you know, children do better when they're raised by a mom and a dad. Nations do better when they have uh, marriage between a man and a woman upheld in laws and policies. It's just good for the nation. And it's affirming what the Bible said. So they, them speaking truth and love to me just kind of rang in my ears all the time until one day I finally put down my Rob Bell and picked up my Bible, I like to say. A popular phrase in, in um, leftist groups today is this term social justice. What exactly does the phrase social justice to mean to you, and how is it being used by the Christian left? So this is probably one of the biggest areas of concern. So what I experienced at this particular campus ministry uh and what the evangelical left often uh, misuses the term social justice to mean expanding the nanny state. So making sure that the answers for the, the social economic problems of our time rest in, uh, the solution rest in the government and uh, expanding welfare programs and, and the regulatory system. Instead of finding solutions in, in Christ, oftentimes transformation happens in Christ. We know that. Or, or charities in the church. Uh, having an active role and an active public witness in the public uh, forum. So I started, when I was at this campus ministry, started to believe that if I was for social justice, then it meant I had to be a liberal or I had to vote according to leftist political agendas because instead of traditional Christian teaching being at the forefront, instead of the gospel being at the forefront, it now was, am I uh, ensuring that I'm advancing gender uh, equality, marriage equality, feminist slogans. This was social justice, and it wasn't caring for the poor. You know, it wasn't serving those in need. So I do believe that social justice is very important. It's an integral part of our faith, but it's not the 
purpose. It's the it's the result of following Christ. And I I unfortunately believe that while some have good intentions among the evangelical left, they have swapped the two, and their purpose is social justice through government reform instead of the result of their following of Christ. How do our college students on economic issues um, when oftentimes these issues are just reduced to, like you said, the social justice talking points? Yeah, so so for me, it was, you know, I, I grabbed hold of um, uh, sex trafficking, which is still very, very important to me. It's a, an issue I think is so important. But I use it as kind of this cop-out Christianity, right, to ignore the economic uh, data, to ignore the social science, and to not get into the hard discussions you have to have when you're you're debating same-sex marriage and redefining what God himself created in Genesis 2. So uh, sometimes I'm seeing this among college students is they'll grab hold of something that's uh, not as difficult to discuss or defend because you know no one wants to no one wants to see another human or Christians don't want another human being enslaved and we want to fight for them but we can't just focus on this one issue and use it as again uh, a scapegoat for talking about yeah the the tough issues that we've got to confront the evangelical left on. Um, do you think college administrators and professors are often complicit in the left, in the Christian left's campaign to cloak their political agenda in biblical texts? I do. It de- of course, it depends on which university that we're talking about. And in distortion, I, I did lots of research on this issue, and there are, yes, unfortunately, lots of um, Protestant evangelical churches or campus. Uh, college campuses and, and seminaries that they have staff that are pushing the social gospel or liberation theology, which has a lot of, uh, unfortunately, Marxist-Communist roots in it. And they are certainly advancing this idea that let's keep our, our traditional biblical values in the closet so that we can appease popular culture. This is unfortunate but true. And, and so if if millennials are learning this from their professors on a Christian campus, goodness, what hope do we have then when we go out into the world and have to start defending our faith? I mean, we're not being equipped, and so that's what I hope distortion helps the grown-ups in the room to do. All right, we have time for one more question. You say that millennials are often willing to make compromises on social and political issues because they don't know enough about their faith to speak firmly for the truth. You're an advocate for more teaching at homes and living out the faith. Is this how revival will take root? Do you have any advice for parents of new college students who are concerned about the Christian left's influence on their children's campus? Absolutely. Great question. So as a Sunday school teacher myself, I have seen where parents will treat Sunday school, like they do ballet class or basketball practice, they drop their kids off for an hour, hope they learn something about Christianity, and then go on with their day. And kids just aren't, I don't, you just don't have enough, first of all, to teach in an hour. It needs to be affirmed in the home. And unfortunately, there's a lot of curriculum now that's very uh, fluffy, and it's it's not delving deep enough into apologetics, things of that nature. So, no, I don't believe that evangelical millennials ha- know enough to defend their faith. So I do, I I hope that your listeners, the grown-ups in the room, if you listen to anything I say, it's this. It's please don't give up on the young evangelical generation. Please don't give up on us because through your example, through your uh, prayers, your discerning of truth, your upholding of scripture's authority, your 
witness in the public square where life and liberty collide, we uh, will listen to you in our lives, our moms and our dads, our grandparents, our youth ministers, our Sunday school kids. So don't give up on us. Keep making sure that you're upholding truth and teaching us because we just need to learn. Because if we don't learn from you, we're going to learn from the left somewhere else. All right. Well, thank you so much, Shelson. Thank you so much for having me. And with that, we bring this edition of Radio Free Acton to a close. I want to offer my thanks to Chelson Bakari at the Institute on Religion and Democracy for taking the time to come on Radio Free Acton today and discuss her latest book. Check out her book on Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, or head on down to your local retailer. Don't want to leave out the brick-and-mortar stores. And uh, I want to thank Sarah Stanley as well. Thank you, Sarah, for coming down and taking the interviewer's chair. Fantastic job today, and we hope to see you again in the Acton Studios real soon. In the meantime, I want to encourage you once again to check out radio.acton.org for all of our podcast archives and the Acton Institute Power Blog at blog.acton.org. Until next time on Radio Free Acton, my name is Mark Vandermoss. It's been great to bring you the podcast of the Acton Institute for the Study of Religion and Liberty, and we will talk to you next time.